I'm Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. As we've dug into sharing the faith this season, one of the underlying themes that we've we've really tried to unpack is how evangelization doesn't always happen from a programmatic perspective. But it often happens in relationships. It happens subtly. It happens as you get to know people. So you share a life with people, as you share your stories, as you give witness in really beautiful ways. And sometimes the sharing of those stories, the witnessing, those relationships do build and grow as a result of, say, a program or an event, a retreat, a place, a conference, whatever you want to call it, a kickstart, the on-ramp to this deepening relationship that you then grow with other people. And then the sharing of the faith happens in really organic ways. Well, up at the University of Notre Dame for the past 20 plus years, there has been such a program that has sparked countless relationships and has changed tons of lives. Notre Dame Vision is a program that really developed out of the hearts and minds of of some young adults who got together and wanted a place where faith was talked about in a beautifully dynamic and engaging way, where witnesses were created and formed, where people began to understand the unique witness that they could give to the world. I had the incredible opportunity of getting to go to Notre Dame Vision as a youth minister. I brought young people from my first parish job up in Chicago, Illinois, and then I got to speak at it for a couple of summers and was always so profoundly touched by the fact that this event, this week on campus with 400 plus young people and their mentors, and the mentors, of course, is a huge component of Notre Dame Vision. It was a a moment of grace, a place where faith was lived in a really beautiful and dynamic and engaging way where Jesus Christ was talked about with familiarity and love, where there was a tender compassion for the stories and the moments of other people who had both struggled and had thrived in their faith and had really grown into disciples in this world. Now, Scott Boyle is directly involved in all of this, and he wanted to sit down with us and really share with us the mission and the vision of Notre Dame Vision But really, what happens behind the scenes? These mentors that walk with these young people, these teenagers who show up are accompanied for a week by these college students who go through theology classes, who go through intense leadership formation. And what does it look like to really help build faith and share the faith in the hearts and minds of these mentors who then get to share the faith with these young people? And really, how can all of us do that in our own lives and the value of community that can really help spread this faith and and this sharing of the faith. Scott sits down and he gives us an excellent unpacking of what this can look like, and it's a great conversation. And if you enjoy this conversation, you'll enjoy everything that we've made. Go click on over to AveMariaPress.com. You'll find everything that we've created, podcasts, videos, other awesome things that you can find that will help you even more deeply understand what it means to share the faith. Click on over to AveMariaPress.com to find out all of that. For right now, we want you to sit back and enjoy this conversation with Scott Boyle about sharing the faith and giving authentic witness by way of Notre Dame Vision. Well, Scott Boyle, welcome to Ave Explorers. Great to be with you, Katie. Thanks so much for having me and a big hello to all of your listeners. Yeah. So tell us who you are and where you're coming from and uh, about this fun room with green and blue behind you. Yes. Well, my name is Scott Boyle. I'm coming to you from the University of Notre Dame, specifically Geddes Hall here on campus. I am in a green room, which is actually kind of like a bunker. It's a sound room. Mm -hmm. So I can not hear anything else, but I can hear you and myself (laughs) very clearly. 
am here to talk a little bit about just my work here at Notre Dame. I'm really privileged to support a number of different programs specifically related to the formation of young people. I am also a graduate of said program. So this is really cool to kind of be able to come on and just share a little bit of my story with you and your listeners. Yeah. So tell us, how did you arrive at the good old Notre Dame and go through those programs? We were an undergrad. Like what was the draw to Mary's University? Well, it's a bit of a family affair. My Mm -hmm. dad is a graduate. And it's funny because Notre Dame was not high on my list of places that I wanted to attend when I was growing up because, well, they ran in my family. So I wanted to be contrary. (laughs) But when it came down to it, I still remember it to this day. I got the little postcard that said, welcome home on it. Mm. And I had come from a Catholic Jesuit school and I was really trying to think about a place where I could continue to explore this faith that I was learning so much about. And it really started to form me and take that to kind of another level, if you will. And Notre Dame seemed to be that fit where this was a place that took its students, the community very seriously, and could be a place where really I could continue to explore who God was calling me to be. Mm -hmm. And so how do you get to do that with students now? I mean, you graduated and then said, I never want to leave. I'm going to be a domer for life. What happened there? Right, right. Well, you know, it started with these two programs. So when I was a freshman at Notre Dame, I had the opportunity of serving with Notre Dame Vision, which is a summer conference for high school students. So the cool thing about Vision is that we hire between 40 to 60 undergrads who basically help us run this conference, basically create the space for young people over the course of a week. They get to come to Notre Dame, live in the dorms, eat in the dining hall, but explore some of these deeper questions of their lives, who they are, who they're becoming. And what we're trying to give them a space to explore freely, first of all, is to actually just tell their story, number Mm -hmm. one. But secondly, to realize and hopefully to give them the space to sort of say, well, God has a part in this story. And when I was a freshman, I got the opportunity to serve as what we call a mentor in faith. Mm -hmm. And it absolutely expanded my imagination. First of all, I didn't even know I could serve the church in this way. I didn't even know that there were opportunities where I could explore these questions that were on my heart and first of all, get paid. That's always nice. But (laughs) secondly, I really found something deeper within myself that just said, I think this is where God wants you. I think Mm -hmm. this is where God wants you to continue to explore. And so fast forward through undergrad, where I ended up studying theology through a bunch of detours, if you will, and ultimately did this master's degree program called ECHO, which gives its students a master's degree in theology while getting the opportunity to serve the church somewhere in the United States. So serving in a diocese, either in a Catholic parish or a Catholic high school or middle school. And through that service, I realized that like, this was something that I really wanted to continue to do, continue to commit to. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened that when I was graduating from ECHO, this would have been in 2015, I got an email from a person that you and I both know very well, Professor Lenny DeLorenzo, who said, hey, we have an opening with this summer conference, Notre Dame Vision, the same conference with which formed you, which Mm -hmm. was almost poetic in a way. He didn't actually mention it like that, but as I look back, it was somewhat poetic. And I had an interview with him and the rest is history. Here I am six years later living into it. Yeah. So uh, full disclosure, Notre Dame Vision, I remember I was in high school and I got it was a trifold brochure in the mail. 
inviting me to apply to the first one that they held. Like that was like, that's how old this is. That's how old I am. And it didn't work out. I was in Louisiana, Notre Dame's up, you know, in Indiana. My parents were like, no, you're not. What, what is this? Like it, we didn't know what it was sure. yet. Right. And then fast forward years later, Lenny DeLorenzo sends me an email and asks me to come speak at it. And I got to see it up close and personal and realize, oh my gosh, like this is something profound and beautiful in the life of the church that's clearly formed you, that has formed countless teenagers and young adults across the country who now very much continue to like look back on their time with Notre Dame Vision. Many, many evangelists and speakers who, I mean, Mike Potan is the first person I can think of off my (laughs) top of my head who have been completely changed by vision. So tell us a little bit about Let's say the uniqueness of Notre Dame Vision. And I'll zoom out mm. with this kind of as a qualification. This whole yeah. series is on evangelization. And we've talked about evangelization is not purely a programmatic thing. Evangelization is is living the faith in a really authentic way. I've seen that up close and personal at Vision in a program because there's there's a secret sauce. There's something special in the way you guys evangelize. So tell us what happens over the course of that week without giving away everything. And sure. I mean, let's just be real. Why it works. Sure, sure. Well, it's a really good question. And I think actually to explain that, I have to backtrack a Mm -hmm. little bit. So I think it's a culture of witness that we try to kind of enact, if you will. Mm -hmm. And that begins with, and I and I referenced this a little bit in my own journey, training and forming these young adults, these college students from what we call our tri-campus community. So Notre Dame, St. Mary's, and Holy Cross. And before the conference even begins, we are accompanying these men and women who say yes to this proposal to say, would you be willing to share your own story? Would you Mm -hmm. be willing to share some of your joys, your struggles, and walk with young people, high school students in particular, on their own journey of faith? But we don't just let them loose and say, hey, show up, you know, two days before the conference and and we'll go. We start with a training and a preparation process. So the first really big thing that we do is they actually take a theology class with Professor DeLorenzo. The point of this is to immerse them in the story of our faith, this good news, and Mm -hmm. to form their own imaginations. And I would even say in some ways, propose a healing of the imagination that you know amidst all of the the things that we hear about faith and that it's not relevant anymore one of the things we're trying to propose to them by looking at theologians and, and even through writers of fiction that perhaps our faith is even more relevant now than ever mm-hmm. it has real things to say to the suffering the struggles of our modern day of our modern times And through that process, we engage them, forming them with practical skills, trying to figure out, okay, how do you listen well? How do you lead small groups? All of those kinds of things. And what happens is we start to prepare them. We we help them kind of anticipate the stories and some of the things that the high school students bring. And this culminates finally in, in speaking about this culture of witness. We work with them on a process to craft what we call a story of grace. Most folks would know this as a witness talk Mm -hmm. where they are getting the chance to really, and over the course of time, it's not just something that happens immediately, but multiple weeks crafting this story. We say, pick a story from your life and attend to where you see 
God at work. This Mm -hmm. could be where you were close to God, where you felt far away from God, this process of learning to see. So basically this whole process of trying to form them, of, of establishing some of those foundations, they get to basically, you know, once the conference begins on, on a Monday, they've thought through some of these movements in their own life about where God is, and they're ready to proclaim that in big ways and in small ways over the course of the five days that we have high school students. I really hope you are enjoying this conversation with Scott. I found it to be incredibly inspiring and made me want to go back to campus. If you're liking this conversation and you're liking everything that we're creating with Ave Maria Press, then you will definitely like our sponsor for this episode. This episode has been brought to you by Hallow, the number one Catholic app for prayer, meditation, music, and a whole lot more. It's an amazing resource for any Christian that's looking to dive deeper into their prayer life, to find more peace, to grow closer to God. Now, Hallow has some incredible features, everything from daily rosaries, Lexio Divina, examines, these awesome pray lists for calm and humility, these minute meditations for brief moments with God throughout your day, Bible stories that are read by a lot of incredible Catholic folks like Father Mike Schmitz and Jonathan Rumi, Dr. Scott Hahn, I read one, the book of James. Now, I really want you to join me in Hallow's Pray 25 Challenge, starting for this Advent. We're going to journey to the manger in Bethlehem with Mary. We're going to be meditating on the themes of Advent, hope, faith, and joy. And we're going to pray through the Hallow app and really allow that app to bring us a sense of some peace in our lives. I mean, this is a crazy season, right? And Hallow can really help us really enter into the season with intentionality and purpose. You can get access to Hallow's more than 3,000 audio-guided meditations, including some incredible Advent prayers and exclusive Christmas music at hallow.com slash explores. There's a link down in the show notes. Click it, download the number one Catholic app today. All right, we're going to get back to our conversation with Scott. There's a whole lot more coming, so stick around for that. I love that you guys call it stories of grace because so often they're called testimonies or they're called witness talks. And the typical formula of those is life was fine, something bad happened. Then I met Jesus and now everything's good. I'm distinctly remembering one witness talk, story of grace, of a young woman who had been struggling with some mental health things and mm. the talk did not end with, and then everything got better. Like the talk ended right. with like, I went to therapy, I'm still in therapy and going to mass a few times a week is part of me healing. And I remember right. sitting in, in the room, Debard 101, right? That's the room. That's and, our room. Uh, and it's a stadium style room with 400 people and I mean, beautiful, wood background to the stage because it's right. a, I think it's at a concert hall. I don't know what it, it's got incredible it's acoustics. Typically <laughs> a that. classroom, a classroom, if you can believe that. So where they host like our large science lectures, it becomes transfigured, you know, in the course of the summer when it we're really running is. this, running yeah. this conference, it, it becomes a, a sanctuary in some sense of these right. stories of grace. And I remember looking around the room, I've given a lot of talks in my life and you know how to craft a message and how you craft a moment. And I was struck by the fact that that college student in five minutes, did more heavy lifting of helping young people encounter Christ with just her authenticity and her realness than any of the keynotes I think would have done that week, because there was a there was an authenticity to it. And I think right. evangelization demands authenticity. Y'all teach that really well to your mentors, who are then able to articulate that to their young people. Let's zoom out. Not sure. everybody goes to Notre Dame Vision, or most of mm-hmm. our audience are not 
young enough to go to Notre Dame Vision. Right, how how right. do we translate that into the parishes and into the communities? This is some of the work that Echo does. I mean, how do we take the authenticity of a story of grace, of a sharing my journey to the pews where most of us are sitting every Sunday? Yeah, that's a, a really great question and something that, yeah, we're we're talking about, certainly in this Echo program. And zooming out a little bit more, I mean, I think one of the things that that I constantly think about is to remember that folks around us are, are watching. Mm. We're always witnessing to something, right? And I think a culture of, of evangelization really begins with thinking about and wrestling with where God meets us, mm. where this good news can take root in our own minds and hearts. I mean, we know from the research that adults play the biggest role. Their practices, their habits play the biggest role in evangelizing and passing on the faith to our young people. It can be through words, certainly, but through habits, but through practices. And I think for myself, when I was a mentor, and I hear it from the stories of our mentors, and if you'll allow me a brief aside, I'm thinking of of a quote from Mr. Rogers, who said, you know, attitudes are caught, not taught. Mm -hmm. And watching somebody, I I can think of when I was in this process of learning, seeing somebody pray the rosary or seeing somebody with an open breviary, that stayed with me. That actually ignited, I think, a natural curiosity Mm -hmm. within me to want to continue to learn more. So when we think about evangelization, it doesn't need to be, you know, something super glorious, although it can be because the Holy Spirit is, is moving in and through it. But just even simple practices that perhaps are most relevant or meet us where we are at the particular time can be the most helpful because you never know who is watching. Yeah. I love that. I mean, Mr. Rogers is a, I was just playing an episode earlier for the one-year-old, the four-year-old's more in the Daniel Tiger world, but the one-year-old, I can still get away with showing the old stuff that was so impactful in my childhood. And I mean, Mr. Rogers episode about violins is what prompted Mm. me for asking for one when I was seven years old, which then ended up becoming a huge part of my own faith journey because I played my violin in the choir and it introduced me to some amazing people that I became friends with all because of an episode that was pretty benign. I mean, there's nothing super fancy about the way Mr. Rogers would just ask people authentic questions, but there was a beautiful snapshot of how to do that in your own life or how to, how to be curious, curious, not judgmental, if we're going to go Ted Lasso in some sense. Right. And one of the things that Notre Dame Vision does really well, and one of the things Echo does really well is give space and place for people to figure out how to do that out of their own giftedness. You know, not every person that is a mentor for vision gives a talk, I guess. Right. Um, right. Some people are singing and some people are working in logistics and finding room for people to figure out their giftedness. And that's one of the components of vision is you can become somebody who gives witness to the world, who changes the world because you know your own giftedness. That's a component to evangelization I want to dig into because we had an episode on how the Holy Spirit reveals our gifts to us. But then I still Mm -hmm. think some people kind of, they struggle with, well, I don't know how to do this or yeah, I can give, I can pray my breviary or I can show up to mass a few minutes early or we do a rosary as a family, but I need to know how, like, I want to know the practicals of that. So what, what are some of those, those components that y'all walk through with the mentors that then becomes content at the vision week that these young people really dig into? I'm grateful that you're bringing up this idea of giftedness, which can seem really simple in, in some way, but one of the things that we're really 
asking our our mentors, and I'll, I'll give you an example. Right before the summer begins, we're doing something as simple as proposing different committees for folks to work on. So mm-hmm. this could be the the welcoming committee. It could be working in the dorms to literally carry bags upstairs, you know, creating signs and things like that. And so I think what we're trying to propose is that, you know, as we're thinking about ways to share our gifts, you know, it begins with just looking at yourself and taking notice, being attentive to Mm. what's already there, because that's where the spirit is. That's where God meets us. And forming their imagination in that way, you know, in just some sense, we don't need to look in all of these other places for God. Now, God can be found in a lot of different places, but like oftentimes God is very close to us and we believe, and we really talk about this idea of being created in the image and likeness of God. And if we're created in his image and likeness, the very things which we possess, the very gifts that we possess are one of the main ways that we can give back what God has already given us and recognize our belovedness and sacredness. Mm. God gave me something and I can't just miserly hold on to it, right? But I'm called to turn it around and give it back. What's the fruit of this? Can you tell us any stories, stories and moments of people whose lives have been changed? Your life was changed by this method of evangelizing and, and has since led you to being a person who does this from a professional capacity. But there's so many hidden stories. Are there any any moments that come to your mind that it's just like, yeah, people need to know this is a fruit of what we're doing and can be a fruit that maybe even bears fruit in their own life at some point. Yeah. I mean, we've had, can't even count the number of mentors, you know, who've gone through. I'll I'll give you a, a more recent example. Yeah. A young man named Ua. And actually, you know, it's interesting. He did not actually, because of the pandemic, have the opportunity to live into vision in the traditional way. So like Mm -hmm. actually experience the conference itself. But in the middle of the pandemic, he actually took a leave of absence from Notre Dame Mm -hmm. and went back to his home community in New York and really asked himself this question, who is my neighbor? And and we talk a little bit about that in terms of like, you know, using our gifts does not, you know, we don't need to go to the ends of the earth. Great if you do, you know, and, and volunteer, you know, in those kinds of places. But asking this question, who is my neighbor? Who is who is the person that's around me that might be in need? And he found a local organization. I think it was a, a Chinese American organization where where he had the opportunity to do some volunteering, do some teaching basically during this gap year. And then he was at home with his family Mm -hmm. living into, you know, living into family life. And he talked about the transformative aspect of that, just asking himself and beginning with kind of where he felt called, where he could use his gifts, and then quite simply putting that into action. And that was a really inspirational witness for me to, and I've continued to accompany him. He's actually back on campus right now. And we just had a follow-up and it's so beautiful to see kind of those fruits of of that experience really, yeah. really come into being. I love that it during COVID and when you weren't in the traditional sense, how did y'all pivot in COVID, by the way? Because that's really when evangelization in this method had to get super creative. Vision leaned on the idea of you're living in community, you're eating in the dorms, right. you have these small group experiences all over campus, which is just epic in some way. The grotto, the ice cream parties, like all of that. How did y'all pivot to try to continue to do what y'all do so well? I'm sure that many of your listeners are experiencing this. Like we at Vision, you know, we can talk about all of these 
really, you know, beautiful concepts and the ways in which God is at work. And, and we give thanks and celebrate that. But we also acknowledge that pain, our exhaustion, fatigue is high. And so, you know, in the midst of all of this, this came at a cost, you know, for us to, you know, we really felt that. And I think to pivot, yeah, we we had to kind of mourn, first of all, that we weren't going to be able to do yeah. these, these in-person conferences. So we, I missed you guys. I was supposed to be there. <laughs> Yeah, and we and, and we missed you too. Yeah. And so, and I have to give major props to to our director, Megan Shepherd, who really, and I'm going to do this because it's her last name, shepherded us through this <laughs> painful, tough, kind of exhausting time. And we moved to something what we called pastoral creativity in the community. And that's actually what UA had the opportunity to participate mm-hmm. in. So while we weren't able to gather in person, we tried to preserve some of the things that we know to be central about vision, which is one, the opportunity to share stories together, to share that witness that we were talking about before, but to do so in small communities. So our mentors over the course of the summer, first and foremost, had the opportunity to gather, to reflect together, to share stories, to talk to one another about just what was going on in their lives. We did have a particular aim for them though. The community piece of what we were hoping for them to do is something that's always been a part of vision. We want them to take what they've learned and put it into action. So what we what we asked them to do was the same question, really, who is my neighbor? And to look at a community where they work, as most of them were, were spread across the country, to look at a community where they were and to sort of say, what is the need that's around me? And and some of these were, some of them identified, you know, really big needs. And some were, I think my family could use my presence a little mm-hmm. bit more. You know, I could spend a little bit more time with my my brothers and sisters. We had folks who, one young woman designed a whole youth ministry series centered on Disney characters mm-hmm. and basically the different virtues of these Disney characters and how they would inspire young women to use their gifts. So, we had a range of responses and ways of enacting this, but it really started from this place of trying to recognize, as we've been talking about, like what their gifts are, who is my neighbor, what are the needs, and responding to it. Seeing the community and being able to pour into the community, it's a component of evangelization we don't talk about. A lot of times people just assume evangelization is, oh, I shared the charisma, I told somebody my story of meeting Jesus, and then we just like let things happen. And I mean, they know we're Christians by our love. Somebody's more, I think, inclined to think about the Christian life if they see Christians being Christians. So that's beautiful that that's how you guys pivoted. What's on the horizon? I mean, we we don't exactly know what COVID's going to do in the future, but is vision coming back in person? And and how can people learn about more that they could be involved in, that they could send their kids, or if you know if they're a Notre Dame student listening to this, they could apply right. to be a mentor. Sure, sure, and that process is coming up quickly. So. Yeah. First and foremost, the plan, yes, is is God willing to be back in person for summer of 2022. Now that always, you know, is kind of dependent. Now being at a at a university, Notre Dame gets the final say right. with that. So whether or not we want to or not, you know, Notre Dame kind of has the the final say. So yeah, the plan is to come back in person two weeks. So kind of between the middle of June and the end of June. And to bring back all of the things that we've been talking about, you know, the opportunity for, for young people to gather, to share their stories with one another. You know, we know that folks are tired, that this has been a long journey. We're, we're still not 
out of it yet. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the things that we've really seen, and, and, and no doubtedly you've seen this as well, is that our young church is such a sign of hope. Their desire for empathy, compassion, their ability to dream, their ability to hope. We are so excited to have the opportunity to create spaces for for those types of people to come together, mm-hmm. to talk with one another, to be inspired by one another. I was reflecting recently with uh, with a friend of mine about, I was on Twitter, I know you're on Twitter, and this phenomenon of you know the, the 280 character limit and how much story we try to fit in to 280 characters. And I guess I'm just excited at Vision to have the opportunity because we're, as we've been talking about, such big proponents of storytelling to get high schoolers in the same room away from the screens for a little while to just talk, to just talk about their lives, to talk a little bit about hopefully the ways in which God is moving within them, to hear some awesome college students talk about that witness and to really encourage one another in that journey of faith, you know, to really be those signs of hope for the world and for Mm -hmm. the church. Oh, I can't wait to watch it all play out. Where can we follow you guys online and on social media? All of our sort of websites are, are kind of linked or if you, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, basically at Notre Dame Vision. And our website is mcgrath.nd.edu slash vision. And we're an easy Google search yeah. away from, <laughs> from our website and all of our content. Awesome. We'll link it all down in the show notes. Scott, thanks so much for taking the time and sharing your heart with us. Great to be with you, Katie. Thanks so much. Having seen Notre Dame Vision up close and personal, once as a participant, twice as a speaker, and being very good friends with the good folks who make it a reality every year, I just have to say that everything Scott talked about, about the way these mentors are formed, about the focus on story and really sharing who you are with other people when you share the faith. I mean, he's speaking completely from his heart. He's speaking from his own experiences. He's speaking incredibly truthfully. I've seen it happen. I think the lesson that we can learn from this, from the success of this program, is really the model that every single one of us should strive to follow, which is, I can be me in sharing the faith. I can authentically tell my story. Even if my story might be hard or challenging, have some some rougher moments, I can share the joy of the resurrection in my life, even if I'm still in the midst of healing. I can give witness to my faith, not just because I know a bunch of theology and I can recite a bunch of Bible verses and I pray the rosary every single day, but because I'm living my faith by being unafraid to talk about my faith, by being unafraid to devote myself to my faith, and that devotion to my faith really starts because I'm unafraid to talk to other people about this person that's changed my life. Scott's doing great work. If you want to find out more about Notre Dame Vision, we have a link down in the show notes. Maybe sign up to send your kids next summer or just support their great work that they're doing. Watch some of the videos that they have online. You can find everything that we're creating for this Ave Explorer series over at AveMariaPress.com. Click on the top. You'll find a banner with everything that you need to sign up for our weekly emails. We've still got a whole lot more coming, some excellent conversations that are still going to be a part of this series, including next week on Instagram Live, an awesome conversation with Rachel and Jason Bullman from the Word on Fire team about the family as a school of evangelization. You're definitely going to want to stick around for that next week over on Instagram. And we've got some great podcast guests coming up as well, including for our new Advent series, which will be launching in just a couple of weeks. So make sure you're subscribed to this show, wherever you're listening to it right now, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and you won't miss a second 
of what we've got coming up for Advent, digging into Father John Burns' new Advent-guided meditation journal, Adore. Subscribe to the show and you won't miss any of that great content that we have coming for you. We'll be back next week with a whole lot more, and we're so grateful that you joined us today for Ave Explorers. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit SpokeStreet.com.